Welcome to Outside the Glass. I'm your host, James Zug. Today we're going on a journey to Wiltshire, England to see one of the only sticky courts left in the world. It's one of the most obscure sports in, a, in the world today. Sticky was uh, invented in, in Victorian England in the 1870s, and about 50 courts sprung up around the world. There are officially three of them left. One is in India and uh, is rarely used for the game. It's usually used for badminton. And then there's two in England, one in Devon and one in Wiltshire. And uh, a couple months ago, I had the pleasure of going with some friends to Wiltshire and um, seeing the court and playing on the court. It's at Hardham House, uh, Hardham Park, which is a Georgian manor house. And uh, the owner of the house, uh, Jeffrey Thomas, hosted us. It was really special to hear about the history of the house. And then he took us up to the Stickey Court, which is in the back garden. And um, not only uh, was Jeff there, but Nigel Brassard, uh, who is a uh, historian doing a master's thesis on the history of Stickey. And he's the president of the Stickey Tennis Association. Uh, he was there as well as the secretary of the club, which is uh, Alan Bosley, a wonderful player. And then uh, Adrian Chivers came by, and he is a part of the reigning World Doubles Championship team uh, in Stick A. So uh, we had a wonderful day there uh, learning about the history of the game and, and trying it out. And here's, uh, here's what happened. The money was no object to her, being the widow of the chairman of the East India Company. Mm. There's plenty of money about. He unfortunately died at his daughter's wedding and wow. left her a widow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, That's dramatic. It's pretty dramatic, yes. Yeah. Um, so retired to Wiltshire. She, they lived in Elton Place in London. 168 rooms. 168, 142 fireplaces. 142 fireplaces. Every single fireplace was boxed in in, in 1959 yeah. when it was sold. And so we had the pleasure of un unboxing, unboxing 100 fireplaces. 100. Every one of them would have gone to London in the 70s. Had this been, had it been re-altered in the 70s, all these fireplaces would have been sold to new houses or whatever. And we have the best collection of Victorian and Georgian fireplaces you know, in the country. So Victoria and Albert Museum have been in to look at them all and catalogue them. It's the only sort of complete collection. 142. Yeah. And a, for a family of three. Family of three. It was really all their, all their servants that had to be looked after. Need, they needed the fireplaces. This is a copy of the Warwick vase. The Warwick vase is yeah. so big. The Earl of Warwick stole it from... Uh, um, oh, I stole it. He requisitioned it on one of his tours uh, in, back in 1740. And the stonemasons in Corsham had a competition. This is their competition entry from 1840. And it was modelled after the Warwick vase. Um, We're all part of it. It's a subject of a legal battle. Even now? Not now. No, okay. it's been resolved as to whether it's a fixture or a fitting. Does it go with the property or does it get paid for extra? But it's never been moved, so it's a fixture. It's, it's here for good. I was based in Maryland uh, in a technology company that we built over sort of eight years. Uh, sold that, came back to the UK, brought my American bride with me. We had a house in Bath. I started investing in 97 in dot-com companies and uh, needed some flexible office accommodation because in Baltimore we'd been able to build a 
with 1,200 people at an office over a three-year lease, but you come back to the UK, you need a 25-year business plan for a 25-year lease on a piece of property. And real estate and technology were completely incompatible in the sense yeah. that you need high-growth space, you need flexibility, you need agility, but then you come back to the British market and you need this sort of... Uh, it's, you've got to buy real estate. There's no real. There wasn't a, there wasn't the serviced office market that there is today. So yeah, let me interrupt. Pat lives in Baltimore. Okay. Yes. I, yeah. We have and I'm from Baltimore. Okay. So you know, yeah. you know the area well. Yeah. And, and you just about to say about it. <laughs> so I'll say nothing more about it. Um, bad, no, it's, it's a great place. <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, anyway, um, <clears throat> so both back to bar. Started investing in companies. Writing the checkout was the easy bit. Having them come to my, I lived on a farm at the time, come to the farm to, my wife and I just got married and we had 30 people turning up on the doorstep every morning to come to work and it was getting 50 people, 60 people, it was just, uh, my wife sort of laid down the law and said you've got to find some offices somewhere for people. So Chippenham is where we had the last company, Bath is where we lived and there's a place called the White Hart at Ford which is a superb English pub. And that, so that formed the golden triangle as to where everything had to be. <laughs> Near the pub. There's no real estate within that triangle, apart from a few stately homes. We're in the, high, in the area of the highest density of stately homes in the UK. Is that right? Caution also has the highest density of aging rock gods and the highest occurrence of, uh, of um, coronary heart disease. So probably those three things. Uh, Who are the aging rock god, gods that we know? Do you really want to know? <laughs> Give us one name. Sting. Uh, yeah. yeah, Sting's not far away. No, I'm God, are you kidding? No, no, he's not far away. But probably <laughs> Nick Mason's the closest guy from Pink Floyd. Yeah. He's from Pink Floyd. He's <clears throat> 100 metres, 200 metres that way. When the fifth um, Beatle died George this Rosen. week, yeah. they, they interviewed Jerry yeah. of Jerry and the Pacemakers. Yeah. How old was that? And it was so, it, he, they did not show a picture of him. <laughs> but you, you heard this raspy, you know. Oh, and, and the youth of today didn't realise that he was involved in medical devices, did they? You know, <laughs> Um, so, then there's Alan, Alan Boston. Yeah, yeah, who's, yeah, who's the worst drummer in the world. Have uh, <laughs> you got more from the Stranglers, you forgot? Yeah. <coughs> and Alan Lucia, Marla Wayne. Yeah, uh, there's, there's loads of them. Uh, so, was this for sale? or? Yeah. So, this was then on the market at a ridiculous price, high price, and um, somebody said, I've never, I've driven past here for 20 years, mm. so never seen it. And, you know, there's always Harden Park, but you can't afford it. <laughs> Yeah. You can't afford a bit of me up here, and uh, and that was correct. I can't afford it, but the um, but twenty years on, we've turned this into um, well, it was it was it was in pretty much of a decayed situation. Now, in fact, Alan was one of the first people in. Now, Alan has a connection with this house which goes back further than I do. In fact, his mother in the Second World War was billeted here as part of the the women's royal efforts. Wow. Well, I knew nothing about that when I moved it from London. Knew nothing about it. Mummy had a sheer coincidence. She told me other things. And, and, and uh, being healthy in all aspects. So, but, so taking that, that spirit, they, they were the guys behind putting most of the stick courts into the country houses in the UK. Mm. So the 34 stick, the, the, the original stick court was designed and purposed for the British infantry as we painted some of the world pink and we went around, the officer gentleman wanted to play a game of real tennis, which they've been used to playing here, but it took a long time to build a real tennis court. So if you take a military target, which is nine foot by nine foot, it's a square, which they would use for target practice, and you put enough of them together, you put three of them this way and seven of them that way, and two of them high, and you put the floor in, you actually end up with a real tennis court, 
which is known as a stick-air court, and that's really the, the sort of derivation from the real tennis. But of course, they have a, a leather ball won't work against the wood, so then you have to use one of the major wing fields with new, new uh, devices, the, the pneumatic ball, and so you play with a modern racket rack and a modern ball, uh, a grass tennis ball, and that's really how the stick-air courts. And then the country houses wanted to have what these officer gentlemen have constructed around the empire. And 34 of them were built mainly in, uh, in the homes of um, the landed gentry, who regrettably, in the First World War, were decimated. So most of the officer corps came from that landed gentry, and most of the officer corps didn't come back from <coughs> France. So the stick again, the stick age just declined as these courts were no longer used. So they didn't start, though, in the colonies, is that right? They started as a, well, started actually Schubert-Ness, which is the first First example of sticky court, which is in, in Essex, where the infantry used um, all the mud flats out there oh, for target okay. practice. And the officers built one there, and then they really went to India, yeah. Australia, New Zealand, <coughs> all the way around the colony. And none of the ones in Australia or India. Just, well, India. No, I mean, no, the no, Indian no, one, there's no, one left. No, one yeah. left. Are there any other besides that one? There, there are, there's, there's one at Knights Hayes in Devon that's still played as a real as a sticky tennis court. There's Harton Park, there's the one in Shimla. There's the three that could be played today. There are seven more that are either have tractors or farm material in it, or buckets. This is now a swimming pool. Or cafeteria. Uh, cafeteria. Henry um, uh, Management College. You've got the one, but that's two squash courses. So most of them were converted. They're large spaces, which you'll yeah. see. And they've been converted into other things because the game of sticky just fell apart. Nobody. It was a very elite group of people. As you know, you're going to join that group today. Um, <laughs> we're probably less than a thousand people have ever played sticky in, in current. Do you have today. competition between the other courts? Well, the other, every court is different. Yeah. So there is competition, but it's a very friendly competition. Yeah, yeah sure. And we've been down to Knights Hayes, and uh, we have yet to go to, to India. That's our... That's the big oh, trip. That's right. the big trip. Oh, God. Well, we've got oh, so it's got it, yeah. We want to do it from Mumbai on a three-day... Alan's going third class, I'm going first class. <laughs> Alan's going on top of the train, I think. Yeah. Uh, with, the, with the roosters... We're all, all, the, all about trunks and luggage. So what was the state of the court when you came here in 1997. Pretty cool, really. I mean, during the war, it was used as a, as a, court, as a, a, a corn store, so a, 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 a silo. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Mm. And it, it was still occasionally used by two um, lords of the realm, so uh, Earl Cairns, and I think this is the curious thing. His wife is a Hesketh Amory from Knightshaze, and they live three miles away. And it was just that serendipitous relationship, which he said, well, I'm sure there's one other part I can go. And he kept the game going with a chap called Tom Kim, Lord Kim, who was our Secretary of State of Defence in Northern Ireland at one stage, he lived six miles that way, four miles that way. So Tom King and Earl Cairns kept it going. Um, and then uh, the Real Tennis Association from Bristol and Bath uh, really told us what it was all about, didn't they? A chap mm -hmm. with Charles Kidd. Um, and then that's how we then subsequently met with Graham Tomkinson and uh, yeah, that's that's the yeah. history. So we had the roof off twice. We put a new roof on, and then it blew off in a, in a gale. So we put it on again. It's it's a due for another facelift at the moment. And being made out of wood, it doesn't last forever. Yeah. And we actually have a group at the moment of architects in London looking to replicate what we've got here and be able to replant that or reseed it in other places in the country. Because as a space, it's quite inexpensive to build. Um, but it could be multi-purpose. You could do all sorts of things inside. Mm -hmm. and so there's a and that'll help. Yeah. So that's sort of 
That's where we are. You remind us of the origin of stick. It comes from sphera stick, which is most likely to to play with a ball in the Greek. Okay. Which would have been, I guess, the soul's word for the game that they had invented, or the derivation that they took over from the army. So um, we saw S O L E. S-O-U-L-S. Like like your soul. The soul. The the Sphalistiki was actually the name that Walter Clopton, Major Walter Clopton Wingfield, who patented lawn tennis. Yeah, actually the guy that ruined everything. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he produced tennis in a box. So the whole thing came in a box. You got the net, you got the rackets, you got the balls in a box. And the label on the front was Sphalistiki. Yeah. So he patented it under the name Sparistike for, well, for, for that very first box. Which is great branding. As long as it exists today, does it? So, so you want to come and play Stick A? Normally, we, we deter as many as we can. <laughs> <laughs> we, you've made it through. Yeah. We got we slipped in. Yeah. Um, is it once so, a year? Yeah. Once a year. Somebody will so, come. Um, come around. So Haven Pell yep. organised the last sort of tour. Yep. And uh, from the states, but we get groups from around the country, mainly from stick, real tennis players who who have heard of it. Have heard of it and yeah. think well, and then when they play, they actually get quite excited because yeah. it's actually a fast, fun game. It's not it's not like real tennis. Okay. A little. A little uh, <laughs> uh, the ball comes from behind you a lot. Right. Okay. That's yeah. the only clue I'll give you. What, what do you mean? You hit it off the wall a bit. Yeah. There's a lot of boasting, and we're all a bunch ball. of squash players. So. Well, that, Ragged players. Yeah. My mother would refuse to play tennis with me because I was too Machiavellian, and I would play all sorts of, uh, of lawn tennis with her. She would refuse to play with me. I'd be slicing and chopping it. And I didn't realise then, when I was 15, that I was destined to be a sticky tennis player. <laughs> that's exactly how this is played. <laughs> So somebody had said that at some point when this was, somebody bought this place after 1904 and they were told and the real estate said, oh, and in the back is a real tennis court. Mm -hmm. And of course it's not. And so, you know, somebody was disappointed when they found out. um, Have you heard that story? It was a cousin of your, one of your sectors of state. Um, I was just thinking of his name. Oh, uh, so Spyro Agnew's cousin, Mm. Rudolf Agnew, was a chairman of Consolidated Goldfields. In South Africa. Goldfields bought this. Uh-huh. Uh, really? And, and Rudolph thought he had a real tennis court in the back garden. Right. And before he came to see it, he made an offer for it and almost was about to buy the whole thing. And he came to see it and he realized it wasn't a real tennis court. Yeah. And Rudolph, I've, I still know him, reasonably lives locally. locally. Oh, so we have that, we have that. There's your connection back to Maryland. <laughs> there you go. Here yeah. Agnew. Yeah. One of Maryland's finest. I'm afraid he was a friend of my father's. <laughs> Should we get our get our stuff? We've been doing squash. We've played well. We've played some lawn tennis at Wimbledon. Right. Do you know Do you know Howard Angus? Yes, yes, yes. yes. He, he got in touch with me. He said he wanted to see whether it would be possible to pit the top real tennis players against the top rackets players against the top squash players, the top lawn tennis players in a stick okay. match. Because it took Howard seven minutes to completely annihilate me. But for the first six minutes, he didn't have a clue. But for six minutes, it <laughs> took him... must be very pleasurable, those seven minutes. Him, those six minutes watching him go, and he's working out all the angles, he's working everything out, and then in the seventh minute, it clicked in, and he was just amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, somebody said that he came here and just said, oh, I, you know, I play a little bit. 
and and didn't say to you, I'm Howard Angus, you know, world champion. We didn't really know. Who you didn't know who he was. Yeah. Well, he, are any of you, was, are any of you interested in some of my homemade biltong? Oh, sure. I'd love some biltong. <laughs> is it really homemade? Do you like biltong? I, yeah, I no, it really is homemade. I love well, biltong. I, I went to New Zealand the other day and stayed with some South Africans. Would you like some biltong? I'm not sure what it is. Yes, you are. You've been to South Africa. It's, it's dried. a dried beef. Oh, yes. With a yeah, sort yeah. of spice on it. Oh, my God. Yeah, lovely. Uh, Hello, I'm Nigel Brassard. How do you do? Are you offering Biltong here or something? Yeah, do you want some Biltong? I love Biltong. Is that really Biltong? <laughs> it is. What are you wearing a Bradley tie? How do you know that? Did you make it yourself? Chris gave it to me the other day. We yeah. saw him at Fairlawn. It was just fun. Oh, I love it, except oh. the only it thing it reminds me of is the, the snake. The snake? It looks a little bit like one of those things for people with wheelchairs. It does. Hello, I'm Nigel Brassard. How do you do? Temple Grassy Night. Hello, would you like some Biltong? All right, I'm going to get our, uh, my bag. Yeah, unless you've got two really keen players. guys that want to go for an hour mm. and do nothing but uh, sit run. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, there are two types, there are three types of ball, which Alan will, will introduce you to. for women at all. There's a gentleman's changing room downstairs and, a, um, and that was it. And it was only ever played by um, four people at any one time. Mm -hmm. so, and that was the balcony that Churchill gave his first speech to raise funds for the Liberal Party. So as a guest at the house here, he addressed around 150 people out there. In like 1907 or something? In 1905 or 6, 7, something like that. Sorry, yeah. well Jim, done. sorry Jim, wrong in here. No, no, I think or it seven. Might, might have been seven. I think he'd just come back from the Boer War at that point. Uh, from, yeah. uh, from Africa at that point, the Boer War, but that was it. that's before he joined the Conservative Party. So they were playing cricket out here. They were playing cricket out there, and he addressed uh, his audience out there. And, and the, uh, the tree was one boundary over there. And it was the latest pavilion in the, in the woods over there. So the ladies weren't allowed in here. And there's no no sign of that left. So, it, is there a thought about the rackets that the modern racket is too light and and good for this game, or is it is that not, yeah? So, do people need to use uh, wooden rackets or? Great, but you don't. Actually, then you can't find the balls to match. Yeah. So what we do is use modern rackets because that's just available to everybody, and then we match the balls to the rackets. So these. So the, that you play with, Alan's going to be finding you some balls which work at different, in different humidities, different yeah. temperatures, they work in different ways. But Price's rubber company that made balls for the entire empire yeah. happens to be four miles away. Price, price of bath. Price yeah. of bath. Yeah. yeah. Well, you, you're Maybe squash balls and everything. Squash balls, everything. They've sort of gone out of business. Yeah. Well, they've still got the mouldings. Derek is slowing down. Yeah. yeah. But they're all... All the health and safety down there is a, is a nightmare. Yeah. You're dealing with hot rubber, yeah. uh, and it's 1950s type of health and safety. And they will still make us a run of balls, so they, we still get our balls from Price's Rubber. Oh, great. Um, so, so you can't just have uh, one type of ball. You need to have three or four different types. You generally, depend. You generally select the ball for the for the conditions that you're playing. So, what are the conditions today? 
this is pretty uh, damp. Cool. cool. Damp. Yeah. yeah. Did you bring a more lively ball? How many different standard balls do you have? Three standards. Uh -huh. But uh, we'll try and find. And they're made specially for the game. They, some of them are the, the one set is the, the the low pressure balls. The others are actually tennis training balls. These uh, beginner balls. Training yeah. balls. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. But where would you get them made special? Prices rubber company. Yeah. You, we we have guys coming right now. We're all coming. Yeah, we're all, we're all yeah. No, we're all coming. So and he's the world champion. That's what he said. Oh, well, he he introduced himself as the world champion. <laughs> then he is. And He's running Nigel's. Nigel's actually run as a competition this year, which I wasn't a part of, and, and that was this year's world championships, and that's fine. So they've got their own balls they're, they're bringing out. Um, and, and for you as, as the owner, is this something that you sort of, you know, is it irritating that you have the court? Is it just a huge joy? Oh, no, is it? Is it? Because you because you get to meet people like us, wonderful Americans, uh, and nicer people. <laughs> <laughs> No, who, who keep you from getting to Twickenham for the no, Wales no, no, England no, game? No, no, we get to, we get to meet some really interesting people. It brings uh, it brings a lot of, lot of fun and happiness to people's lives, and it's a great workout for those people that wouldn't normally work out. So, works on a whole bunch of. So this is. This is very much the Hartem game. The yeah. Knights Hayes game would be played with much heavier balls and is a much slower game. Because? Because Knights Hayes has a slightly different court and that's been their tradition. Is it a different size? It is a different size, mm -hmm. but marginally different. I'm going to show you well, the other court that's, that's around. Get in there, Temple. Let's go. Patrick's there. Well, who's the other one? We need, we need one, no, we need um, that, to get Max off. That's more of a nice haze ball, which, which, which is quite dead. Yeah. But they have a different wooden structure. The, the wood is different. Yeah. 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 So that's quite a different one. Yeah. yeah. But what we did was we had two leagues, and then the leagues all played each other, mm. you know, titled games. Yeah. And then the, the winners. winners of the two leagues went into the final. Because if it's a knockout for them, you want to play once, okay. yeah. Uh, America's got to be here. We've got to be here. Well, we'll try, to, we'll try to get... Was it the first one you had done, or had you done many of them? Well, the World Championship. Was that the first one? I don't know. I mean, that probably... It's I don't the know. first one that you've done. Yeah, it's the first, the first one, one you had done. Yeah. yeah. We, we did one in, 19, in 2004 as... The, we started it in 2004 as the centenary of the 1904 game. Um, but most of, some of those guys are not here with us, you know, we haven't done it every year since, but Nigel's sort of taken the baton on, which is great. <laughs> but what we would love is to have, because so that we could call it a world championship. Actually, I have somebody from another country. Well, we, yeah. We, to try and get someone from India, a pair from India, mm. like someone from the World Series. Can, I was going to say, we're fine we're with that. We're not too cute about the use of global <laughs> of world. It's already yeah. played in one country. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it would be fab fabulous to have an American team, a Canadian team, an Indian team. Yeah. There were no courts ever built in, in the U.S., right? Uh, we don't we think don't so. I, nobody's I, nobody's I, found I, any. I'm not sure. I don't know. Why would they not be? Yeah. Why would they not? Well, the only reason is we would know. Oh, like we would know, you know. I mean, if, no, if no, there no, had been. Thought at that time, because you know, in the late 19th, early 20th century, they were building all their real tennis courts out there, yeah, and, and, and I, they were very Anglo at that point, weren't they? Yeah. In terms of their uh -huh. yeah. 
even now. Mr. Mr. Bickley, who James Bickley perfected the walls for the real tennis court. He, 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 he went over and, and built, built the half, a, half a dozen. In New York, Boston. Tuxedo. New York. And he went to you, you, the death whether, they, whether the American aristocratic sort of railroad fathers would have put some of these together in some of their... They might have, but I've never heard it. But you have a funny... What do you call it? There, there are some courts... Well, we had squash tennis. Squash tennis, they have. Which, which, is, a, which is a different sport, but but it doesn't exist now. I thought there was one court that still... There are oh no, there's it's hundreds. There's hundreds of courts that exist that were originally squash tennis. Yeah. That are either not playable or used for squash. I mean, the, the courts still exist. You'll find them, but they're not. Nobody plays the game. That's the nice. And it's not about threshing, is it? It's about placement. Yeah. It's just fascinating. Sure. I don't know whether you know, but last summer, do you, do you know something called the Not Stevens Tour? It's a rackets tour. And six boys from America came over here to play, they played rackets, so Clifton, Cheltenham, Eaton, Queen's Club, I don't know where they were They playing. go everywhere but Manchester, I think. Yeah. Just lost. Nah. And look, I'm concerned about your time because you're on so should we walk? Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Um, while we're all together, I just want to uh, give this to you as a token of our appreciation for having us. All right, here we are leaving, and uh, your route is being calculated. And we, our route is being calculated. Uh, Ali, Peter, how was playing Sticky? Sticky was an incredible experience. It really was. Harden House was beautiful, and I would recommend it to anybody. You know, I, I, as a non-athlete, it's a game you can really excel at. <laughs> 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 Outside the Glass is brought to you by SquashProShop.com. They carry a great selection of squash equipment from all the top manufacturers at the lowest prices and offer fast and free shipping on orders over $25. In stock now are the new TechStream rackets from Prince, including the TechStream Pro Warrior 600, which is used by Rami Ashour. Also now in stock are the new Dinergy AP series rackets from Technofiber, which are used by Miguel Angel Rodriguez, the Colombian cannibal. They also carry a full line of footwear from ASIC, Adidas, Salming, and other manufacturers. For the best selection, prices, and service on the internet, visit squashproshop.com. I'd also add that squashproshop.com carries a lot of equipment for other racket sports, including racquetball and paddle tennis. But as of yet, they do not carry uh, equipment for stick A. Um, but, you know, we're always hoping. Anyway, uh, please go to squashproshop.com. We'd also like to thank... Grant Irving, who is our uh, wonderful producer of this of this podcast, and uh, he does a lot of hard work, so we're really appreciative of everything he does to to get this out. So thank you, Grant. <laughs>